Chapter Forty Nine of Science in Short Chapters, read by Mickey Lee Rich. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Science in Short Chapters, by W. Matthew Williams. Chapter Forty Nine, Home Gardens for Smoky Towns, Part Two. Among the suitable vegetables, I may name a sort of perennial spinach, which yields a wonderful amount of produce on a small area. Four years ago, I took the house in which I now reside and found the garden overgrown with a weed that appeared like beet, the leaves being much larger than ordinary spinach. I tried in vain to eradicate it, then gave some leaves to my fowls. They ate them greedily. After this, I had some boiled, and found that the supposed weed is an excellent spinach, which may be sown broadcast in thick patches without any interspaces, and cut down again and again all year round, fresh leaves springing up from the roots until autumn, when it throws up tall flowering systems and yields an abundant crop of seeds. I have some now self-sown that have survived the whole of the late severe winter, while turnip tops, cabbages, and everything else have perished. I have sown the ordinary spinach seed in the usual manner in rows, and comparing it with the self-sown dense patches of this intruder, find the latter produces, square yard against square yard, six or eight times as much of available eatable crop. None of my friends who are amateur gardeners know this variety, but a few days since, I called on Messrs. James Carter and Company, the wholesale seedsmen of Holborn, and described it. They gave me a packet of what they call perpetual spinach beet, which, as may be seen by comparison with the seeds of those I have here of my own growing, is probably the same. Messrs. Carter and Company tell me that the plant is very little known and the seed scarce from want of cultivation and demand. I therefore step so far aside to describe and recommend it as specially suited for obtaining large crops on small areas. I also recommend a mode of growing cabbages that I found very profitable, viz. to sow the seeds broadcast in richly manured beds or patches and leave the plants crowding together. Cut them down while very young, without destroying the center bud. Let them sprout again and again. They thus yield a succession of crops, every leaf of which is eatable. This, instead of transplanting and growing large plants, which, however desirable for sale in the market, are far less profitable for home use, celery may be grown in like manner and cut down young and green for boiling. Some collateral advantages may be fairly anticipated in cases where the backyard is fully enclosed by the canvas. In the first place, the air coming into the house from the back will be more or less filtered from the grimy irritant particles with which our London atmosphere is loaded, besides obtaining the oxygen given off by the growing plants and the ozone which recent investigations have shown to be produced where aromatic plants, such as kitchen herbs, are growing. Lavender, which is very hardy and spread spontaneously, might be grown for this purpose. Back doors might be left open for ventilation without danger of intrusion, or of slamming by gusts of wind. The air thus admitted would be tempered both in summer and winter, 
by wetting the canvas which may easily be done by means of a small garden engine or hand syringe the exceptionally hot summer days that are so severely felt in london might be moderated to a considerable extent the air under the canvas being cooler than that in front would enter from below while the warmer air would be pushed upward and outwards to the front although such conservatories may be erected as already stated by artisans and other tenants of small houses i do not advocate dependence on this but on the contrary regard them as a more properly constituting landlord's fixtures and recommend their erection by owners of small house properties in london and other large towns a workman who will pay a trifle extra for such a garden is likely to be a better and more permanent tenant than one who is content with the slovenly squalor of ordinary back premises i base this opinion on some experience of holding small houses in the outskirts of birmingham talbot street winston green these have small gardens while most of those around have none they are held by weekly tenure and during eighteen years i have not lost a week's rent from voids the men who would otherwise shift their dwelling when the change workshops preferred to remain and walk some distance rather than lose their little garden crops and when obliged to leave they usually found me another tenant a friend who has paid them a small tenant right premium for what is left in the garden or for the privilege of getting a house with such a garden a small garden is one of the best rivals to the fascinations of the tap-room the strongest argument in favor of my canvas conservatories and that which i reserve as the last is that they are likely to become the poor man's drawing-room where he may spend his summer evenings smoke his pipe contemplate his growing plants and show them in rivalry to his friends rather than slink away from an unattractive home to seek the sensual excitements that ruin so many of our industrious fellow-countrymen as above stated i have not been able practically to test the filtering capabilities of the canvas owing to my residence out of town but since the above was written i e on last wednesday evening i visited the houses of parliament whereas i had been told the ventilation arrangements include some devices for filtering the air by cotton wool or otherwise i was much interested on finding that the long experience and many trials of dr percy and his assistant engineer mr prim have resulted in the selection of the identical material which i have chosen and with which the above described experiments have been made a wall of such canvas surrounds a low region of the houses and all the air that has been destined to have the privilege of being breathed by british legislators is passed through this vertical screen for the purpose of separating from it the sooty impurities that constitute the special abomination of our metropolitan atmosphere and that of our great manufacturing towns the quantity of sooty material thus arrested is shown by the fact that it is found necessary to take the screens down once a week and wash them the wash-water coming away in a semi-inky condition i anticipate that the conservatory filters will rapidly clog and therefore require washing this may easily be done by means of a jet from a hand syringe directed from within outwards especially if the slope of the roof is considerable which is to be recommended 
the filtering screen of the House of Parliament is made by sewing the canvas edges together to form a large continuous area, then edging the borders of this with tape and stretching it bodily on the stout frame. This method may be found preferable to that which I proposed above, and cheaper than I have estimated, as only very light intermediate cross pieces would thus be required, merely to prevent bagging, and parliamentary quartering above described being nine feet apart instead of three. This would reduce the cost of timber to about one-half of the above estimate. The perpendicular walls of the conservatory, where such are required, may certainly be made thus, and I think the roof also, if the slope is considerable, or if in demand, the material may be made of greater width than the three feet. So far, I have only mentioned backyards, but besides these, there are many very melancholy front areas called gardens, attached to good houses, in some of the once suburban but now internal regions of London, where the houses stand some distance back from the formerly rural highway. These spaces might be cheaply enclosed with canvas and cultivated as kitchen gardens, orchard houses, flower gardens, or ferneries, thus forming elegant, refreshing, and profitable vestibules between the highway and the house door, and also serve as luxurious summer drawing rooms. The only objection I foresee to these bright enclosures will be their tendency to encourage the consumption of tobacco. The discussion which followed the reading of the preceding paper at the Society of Arts. A member asked if Mr. Williams had observed the effect of wind and rain on his material. Mr. W. P. B. Shepherd said that he was interested in a large square in London, and he had hoped to hear something about the cultivation of flowers in such places. Last year, they tried the experiment with several varieties of flower seeds, and they came up and bloomed well in the open ground without any protection whatever. In most London squares, the difficulty was to find anyone bold enough to try the experiment at all, and nothing but experience would prove what flowers would succeed and what would not. They were so successful last year that several fine bouquets were gathered in July and August and sent to some of the gardening magazines, who expressed their astonishment that such good results were possible in the circumstances. If flowers would answer, there would, of course, be more encouragement to try vegetables. One of the practical difficulties which occurred to him with regard to his plan was that the screens would be somewhat unsightly, and then again they might shrink from alteration in the temperature and getting wet and dry. He would repeat, however, that for a very small expense in seeds, a very good show of hardy annuals and perennials might be obtained in July and August, even in London. Mr. C. Cook said a flower garden had recently been opened in Drury Lane, on the side of an old churchyard to which children were admitted, and he wished a similar arrangement might be made in some of the squares in crowded neighborhoods, such as Golden Square, and especially in Lincoln's Inn's fields. There were lots of children playing about in the streets, and he wished the good example set by the Templars might be followed. Mr. Liggins, as an old member of the Royal Horticulture Society, felt a great interest in the subject. Among his poorer neighbors in the district of Kensington, cottage and window gardening had been encouraged for some years past, prizes having been awarded to those who were most successful, much to their gratification. 
this was a novel idea but he felt quite sure that it would enable those who adopted it to obtain the crops which had been described there were many collateral advantages which it would bestow on the working classes if largely followed by them especially the one mentioned by mr williams that those who devoted their spare time to the cultivation of fruit and flowers would not be so open to the attractions of the public house when travelling through the united states some years ago he was much struck with the differences in appearance of the houses and districts where the main liquor law was in force and soon learned to distinguish where it was adopted by the clean cheerful look of the workmen's dwellings the neatness of the gardens and the presence of the trees and flowers which in other districts were wanting he was not a teetotaler himself and was not advocating such restrictions but he could not help notice the contrast and he felt sure that in all our large towns great progress in civilization and morals would be effected if such an attraction were offered to the working classes he believed there was so much intelligence and good sense among them that if they only knew what could be done in this way they would attempt it and when an englishman attempted anything he generally succeeded mr william botley said they were much indebted to mr williams for having called attention to this important subject he quite agreed with the observations of the last speaker for his own experience in building cottages showed him that the addition of a piece of garden ground had an excellent effect on the social moral and religious welfare of the inmates it kept them from the public house and the children who were brought up to hoe and weed their parents gardens turned out the most industrious laborers on his property he had known of instances where houses had been built with flat concrete roofs and covered in with glass so as to form a conservatory in which vegetables and salads grow very well and he believed the cost was little if any more than ordinary slating the chairman lord alfred churchill in moving a vote of thanks to mr williams said that there could be no doubt that if his suggestions were adopted it would lead to great economy and have many other attractions for the working classes during the last few years they had heard a great deal about floriculture and windows and no doubt it was an excellent proposal but if they could add to this the growth of vegetables it would have economical advantages also the proposal to erect temporary conservatories on the roofs of some of these small houses was an admirable one he saw no reason why you should not have a peach tree growing against many a tall chimney you would only want a metal-lined tub filled with a good mould the warmth of the chimney would aid in promoting the growth of the tree and it could be protected from the smoke and frost by this canvas one point he should like to know was whether the fabric would not become rotted by the weather and perhaps it might be protected by tanning or some chemical preparation the effect of the canvas in maintaining an equable temperature was a great consideration the difference stated by mr williams of about five degrees in winter in many cases would be just enough to save the life of a plant practical gardeners knew the value of placing a covering over a peach tree in early spring to keep off the frosts and also to protect it from the attacks of birds it was also a curious fact that even a slip of wood or slate a few inches wide put on top of a wall to which a fruit tree was nailed acted as a protection from frost 
He trusted that Mr. Williams' idea would find favor among the working class, and thought it was a subject the Royal Horticultural Society might well take up and offer prizes for. He hoped in a short time, when that society had passed through a crisis which was impending, it might emerge in a condition to devote attention to this matter. It already offered prizes for small suburban flower shows, but had not yet turned its attention to the larger class aimed at by Mr. Williams. Mr. Botley said he had forgotten to mention that he has a friend, a very excellent gardener, who always loosened his fruit trees from the wall for about three weeks before the time of blooming. The consequence was they did not get so much heat from the wall, and the bloom was two or three weeks later in forming. After the spring frosts, the trees were again nailed up close, and he never failed in getting an excellent crop when his neighbors often had none. Mr. Truby wished to caution those who read the paper against using what was commonly known as paper-hanger's canvas, because it was made of two materials, hemp and jute, and if a piece of it were put into water, it would soon be nothing but a lot of strings, the jute being all dissolved. It did very well for paper-hanging, but would be quite unsuitable for this purpose. The vote of thanks having been passed, Mr. Williams, in reply, said he had had a piece of the canvas stretched on a frame exposed all the winter, and the only result was to make it rather dirty. He stretched it as tightly as he could in putting it on, but when it got wet it became still more tight, and gave a little again on becoming dry. It bore the weight of the snow, which had fallen very well, and two or three spadefuls had been added to try it. He had a note from Mr. Prim, saying that at the Houses of Parliament the screens last about two sessions, being washed once a week, and the destruction is due to the ringing. But there is really no occasion for this, for if you syringe the stuff well from the inside, you make it sufficiently clear to allow the air and light to pass through, and it would probably last many years. He had tried the experiment of dipping it in a very weak solution of tar, but this had the effect of matting together the fine filaments so that it did not act so effectually as a strainer. It acted best when wet, because the fine particles of soot adhered to it, and moist weather was just the time when the greatest quantity of soot fell. It might be easily tried in London squares to aid in the growth of flowers. He found that the cabbage plants, which were so protective, throve remarkably well, and he had no doubt that if flowers were planted and a screen put over them until they were ready to bloom, it would be a great advantage. The action of a little peat on the top of a wall to protect fruit trees is very simple, and the explanation was afforded by the experiments of Dr. Wells on dew. The frosts, which did the greatest mischief, were due to radiation from the ground on clear nights, and it would be found that if one thermometer were placed in a garden under an umbrella and another one on the open ground near it, the differences of temperature would be considerable. On cloudy nights there was a very little difference. Last night there was only about a difference of two degrees, but a few nights before it was six degrees. The period of greatest cold might not probably be more than an hour, but it would be sufficient to do a great deal of mischief, and anything which would check the radiation would have the required effect. 
In the case of loosening the fruit trees from the wall, there was probably a double action. It prevented the tree being forced on by the warmth or the wall in the daytime, and also avoided the chilling effect at night, a rough wall being a good radiator and sinking to a low temperature. He did not think there was much danger to be apprehended from wind, because the canvas being so open, the wind would pass freely through it, but he had not seen it subjected to any violent gale. End of chapter 49 Home Gardens for Smoky Towns Part 2 Read by Mickey Lee Rich